Well, uh, crazy things are happening. Crazy things are happening in our world. And I'm glad that you are here today. This is kind of the uh, nerdy portion of the scripture that we're doing today. It's, um, it's basically transitioning from Corinth to uh, going to Thessalonica, writing the, writing the video, or not the video, I'm turning off Angela's video, uh, writing the, the letter at Thessalonica. And so we kind of cover the ground of what's happening in Thessala. I'm going to say it, Thessaloniki. Niki, Thessaloniki. That's the actual name of the city is Thessaloniki. I didn't misspell it wrong in the email. And I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. So <clears throat> she just kicked me under the table. Uh, anyway, uh, we're glad that you're here with us this morning. And uh, I'm excited to have Judah with us today. We had a little, little issue there trying to get her connected, but we got her all the way out in Alaska, and they have internet now, so, uh, Judah, you there? I'm here. Hi. Hey, Alaska. Hey, what's up? Not too much. How you doing? Good. How about you? Very good. Very good. I'm glad that you uh, were able to connect with us this morning. Yes, that was stressful. That was a little, that was a little interesting. <laughs> Good. It's good to see your face. Are you guys going to come out and play kickball with us later today? I don't know. We're going to try. <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> Not to put me on the spot, yeah. All right. You ready to sing for us this morning? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. I'm going to turn, turn this video off and let you go. All righty. Sounds good. Good morning, everyone. Um, I know once again we're not together, but I would love for you guys to sing this morning with me. Um, hope you're all doing well. Thank you. 
forgiven. Looking of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my taking over social media and taking over a lot of people's worries and um, 
So I was thinking of those people facing those struggles and this song came to mind. So I hope you guys sing along and find peace and comfort from this song. Far from home, I get lost, but I press on. There's a mansion, the streets of gold, where I belong. Yes, there's a day. Coming soon when the old be made new, heaven's glory shines like morning before our eyes. When the old See Jesus when we all see Jesus. No more sickness, no more madness, no more pain. When we all see Jesus. Face to face, dancing with angel voices, and there will be great rejoicing. Holy, holy, worthy, worthy. Is the Lamb. When we all see Jesus, when we all see Jesus, no more sickness, no more madness. No more pain. When we all see Jesus face to face. When we all see Jesus face to face. Can't wait for that, right? Mm -hmm. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, especially with all the chaos that's going on in the world right now. So, mm -hmm. Crazy. So, yeah. uh, happy graduation. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How was that yesterday? Crazy. It's just crazy. It still hasn't really set in yet that we've all graduated, but it was really fun. 
it was a good time. How many are in your senior class? 182. <laughs> yep. Right on. Right on. <laughs> I just uh, dreaded the day that you would graduate from high school because you'd no longer be our youth minister. But the good news is you're not leaving. I'm not. I'm here to stay. <laughs> good. Good. You're well, welcome. No, <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Uh, nice work this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, I'll let you have a good day and hopefully see you tonight. Yes. Thank right. you. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. See you. See you. I have no idea why my is so dark. But uh, try to figure that out. Um, it is a crazy, crazy time, and so uh, I've asked somebody to come on and pray with us this morning. I'm gonna bring her on right now. I'm gonna get her video going. I'm a technician here. Come on, Angela, where are you? Are you there? Mm -hmm. I see her. I hear you. Hi. Hey there. I just I just see your uh, window. I was trying to see if you could see the giant flag out there. Can you see the flag? No, I well, I see <laughs> the bright sunshine. Oh, there you go. Now I see it. There you go. I know exactly who you are. You're you're at downtown. I'm uh yeah, I'm at the municipal complex. Yeah. Uh do we get to see you? Nope. I'm Why undercover not? today. I'm undercover today. Really? Uh Officer Ellison, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh it's been super crazy and chaotic like you said and um you know it's hard to process all of it because you know you wear the same uniform as everyone else and everyone seems to have a really strong opinion about you but you also have a strong opinion about what's going on you're just a human being you know just trying to process like where you fit into everything and it's um you know, it's a struggle. Yeah. I, I think we're doing okay. I think our guys are doing okay. We talked a lot yesterday and talked through some stuff. So that was helpful. Obviously you're on duty right now. Yes. Um, how is, how are things in the city of Fishers? Um, really, really well. Um, right now, I think a little bit of shenanigans and caramel overnight. But we've not heard of anything else really in the county. Um, I will say our biggest call of the day was to rescue a family of ducks that had fallen into a grate. And our guys bravely maneuvered through the trenches of this um, well or whatever it was and got the ducks out and reunited with their mother. So the day is saved. Yeah, Fisher's finest right there. That's right. That's uh, that, yeah, we're glad that's the biggest thing you've had to deal with. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it's kind of uh, interesting. I, I think I'm in the same spot that you that you are. I have my thoughts and uh, have my opinions. I probably only express them to my wife because she's the safest place to express them. And uh, yeah, it's just a, a tough situation. I, I actually kind of touch on it a little bit here at the end of this message today, but. Um, yeah, just know that we're praying for you because uh, I think that my, my one of my opinions is is that we all get lumped in together. Right. With one or two people's actions or a small percentage of people's actions. And um, it's, that's not fair, but it happens. And uh, <clears throat> that's what you guys are having to deal with right now is... Uh, Police in general are just getting the, the bad name when there's so many good hearts out there. And uh, I would see you guys kind of like rescuing the ducks today. You're, you're, you're more ambassadors than you are police at this point. Right. And uh, people don't see you as that because one or two will abuse that power. So. Right. Well, yeah. kind of like with religion, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's always always someone that screws it up and makes people think something other than what's truly intended. And so it leaves it to the rest of us to try to spread, you know, that word of protection and, and um, support to our community, even though, you know, their, their view of that is skewed. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great word. Good word. Hey, uh, can I ask for you, I know it's kind of weird asking me to ask you to pray for you, for us, but we should be praying for you and we are, but would you mind praying for Levener today? I would. And, and I, in that I'm, you know, with the community and I'm going to be selfish and pray for um, um, those of us that wear uniform and um, still have a job to do, but I wanted to start if I can real quick, um, since uh, we've been talking about Paul, I wanted to read Ephesians um, 6, chapter 10 through 18 real quick. Um, because those of us that do, um, you know, put on a uniform every day and, and also love Jesus um, need a reminder of why we do this. Go for it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after that, after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted in the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always be, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Heavenly Father, here we are saying it once again. Now more than ever, we need you. 
I pray wholeheartedly for all of your people. I pray for their presence to be recognized by the peacemakers, by the troublemakers, and especially those who have suffered loss. We need you. We cannot face this alone. But there's a peace knowing your son is carrying us when we need to be carried and walking alongside us the rest of the time. We need comfort now for our community and our nation. We need healing and restoration. I pray for my colleagues to maintain the energy and courage to remain steady in the wake of all that is happening around us. I pray for our continued commitment to be compassionate, empathetic, and patient with those we serve. I pray that the community at large still have faith in us and our ability to keep them safe and have their best interest at heart. Lord, keep all of us safe, those who just want to be heard and those who will stand watch over them. Thank you, Father, for the caring and supportive community you have wrapped around us. It reminds us of your love and that we are not forsaken. Help us to rest in you, Lord. We love you. Amen. Amen. Lord, watch over Angela today as she's patrolling our city. Just uh, give her peace and rest, comfort. Uh, I trust, trust you with her and her her team today, and uh, not just her, but all those. So, uh, Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Angela, you uh, make it hard to continue here. Sorry. <laughs> I will say that um, I want to thank Judah for her songs and for especially reminding us that this is what it is, but the end game is seeing Jesus face-to-face -face and I cannot wait. Yep. I'm with you. I absolutely love you. Love take, you too. Take care today. Thanks for praying. That's beautiful. Absolutely. for asking. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Uh, wow. There you have it. Um, what a great couple. If you don't know Angela and Cameron and Ike, their son, uh, you're missing out. It's uh, such a great family and thankful for them serving our community. We have, it, it's incredible the amount of uh, public safety officials that we have that are part of our Lovener family and uh, thankful for them and the ministry that they do in this, this city and community and not just fishers, but all of our, our cities and officers that are dealing with issues right now. So, uh, as I said in the intro, trying to transition from that is picking up where we left off and it's kind of a nerd, nerdy Sunday to do that. Uh, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's 50 days after the uh, appearance of the resurrection of Jesus when he uh, ascended into heaven and then they waited for uh, the spirit to come among them. And just as you heard Angela pray today, there was a spirit inside of her that was speaking eloquent words as she prayed. 
And uh, that's what the Pentecost was all about, 50 days afterwards, that the Spirit came and dwelled inside of us as believers, rather than being in the temple, the temple that was soon to be destroyed. But now you are that beautiful temple, and the Holy Spirit lives within you. It's a good thing. But we left off in Acts chapter 17, the end of that, Paul was in Athens, where he was preaching on Mars Hill, and he preached the resurrection that Judah was singing about. And all the people there began to either reject him or accept him. We know that a few accepted him, and noticeably, they were women that were specifically mentioned by name by Luke, as he wrote it at the end of chapter 17. So now we get to chapter 18, In chapter 18, verse 1, it says this. After this, he left Athens and went to Corinth. Corinth was approximately 50 miles from Athens and almost due west. If you look at the map here, we'll show you exactly uh, what's going on. Up here is Athens. You'll see Athens right there. And get look at that. I'm circling it, Jim. And then uh, if you... You see Corinth over here, directly west of Athens. Uh, You can see that it's all a part of Greece right there. Now, I also want you to notice up here in the north, you have Philippi, and you also have Thessalonica that's there. Thessalonica is where we're getting ready to, to move to in the whole story, because as soon as he gets to Corinth, you're going to find out that they had troubles in Thessalonica and Paul wanted to deal with those specifically. But let's talk about Corinth just for a second. I won't give you a lot of details because eventually Paul writes a letter to Corinth and we'll probably talk about it more, but it probably had around 200,000 people. It would not be uh, the easiest city to start a, a church in for Paul but he's going there nonetheless. And that's where he went after he left Athens. And the crazy thing is he went by himself. He went alone. You know, the whole isolation thing, the going was tough, but the apostle did not give up. Uh, We live in Indiana where it snows a lot. And a man was shoveling snow from his driveway when two boys carrying snow shovels, approached him. And they said, shovel your snow, mister? One of them asked. It's only $2. The puzzle man replied, can't you see that I'm doing it myself? Sure, said the enterprising lad. That's why we asked. We get most of our business from people who are halfway through and feel like quitting. (laughs) I'm sure Paul is feeling like the old man shoveling his snow is that he's halfway through this missionary journey and it's been rough. It's been tough. He's already been beaten once. Now he's alone. He's isolated. My friend Rob Bell can tell you a little bit about not quitting. He just put out his new book this last week. It's called Puke and Rally. In other words, when you're at the bottom and you're puking, It's time to like get cleaned up and continue on with the fight. 
It's a good book. You might check that out. It's encouraging. But this is exactly what's happened now that Paul's arrived in Corinth. Its reputation of, of the city is just miserable. It's known for its wickedness in the Roman Empire. In fact, Paul wrote the letter to Rome, which we get our book of Romans, that whole first chapter, like verses 18 through 32, he's actually writing while he's in Corinth. And thanks to its location, the city was a center for both trade and travel. Money and vices, all that came to Corinth and found its home there. And Corinth was one of the two most important cities, the other one being Ephesus, that letter that that Angela just wrote from Paul to the church at Ephesus. That was one of the other big cities that Paul ministered to. Verse 2, it says this. He came to Corinth where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them. And since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. Now, see, this is the way that rabbis were taught from their fathers and from their fellow rabbis is that you did not accept money from their students, but you earned their way by practicing a trade. So now Paul's trade is that of one of leather maybe goat hair, all Jewish boys were expected to learn a trade, no matter what the profession was that they would enter. They said, he who does not teach his son to work teaches him to steal. That was a rabbi saying. So Saul of Tarsus learned to make leather tents to support himself and his ministry. So now he meets up with Priscilla and Aquila and they're Jews who have been expelled from Rome by Emperor Claudius. Obviously, the emperor did not want the Jews stirring up any other leadership in their cities. They, like Paul, were also tent makers because the Is get this, the Isthmian games were going on at the time. And so people were traveling all over the world to come to these specific games. And guess what? They needed places to stay. They needed tents to live in temporarily. So now there's work. There's work for both Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila. Perhaps they were, you have to think about Priscilla and Aquila. You know them as the ones who cheated God and they lost their lives. But do you also know that they were respected Christians? They were very much respected by Paul. We don't know for certain if Paul led them to the Lord or if they were previous believers. Perhaps they were even the, the founding members of the church in Rome. We don't know that this dedicated couple uh, were believers or not, but we know that they served and they risked their own lives for Paul because he talks about it in Romans chapter 16. They assisted him in Ephesus in Acts 18, and they even hosted a church in their home in 1 Corinthians. We know that Priscilla and Aquila are dedicated 
believers and they're on Paul's team. He thanked God for them a lot. He's a, they're great examples of lay ministers and how they help to further the work of the Lord. I think every pastor, every missionary thanks God for people like Aquila and Priscilla, people with hands, hearts, and homes dedicated to the work of the Lord. Thankful for people like Angela that are out there doing service in our city and representing Jesus Christ every day of their life. After all, why he had come to Corinth was to start a church. Silas and Timothy eventually joined him. We can read that in Acts. And they brought financial aid from Philippi. Remember Lydia, the one that was trading fine clothes and selling and was a businesswoman. Paul or Silas and Timothy had collected funds. Actually, a couple times they brought that to uh, Paul. And so we know that his stay there, we said that his stay there in Athens was uh, over three Sabbaths, 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 <laughs> Sabbaths, that would be three weeks. But we know it had been longer than that because they brought money a couple times from Philippi. So you can imagine if he's alone when he comes to Corinth and Silas and Timothy join him, imagine the joy on his face when he actually gets to see them and they've brought them funds to supply his ministry. They hear the good news of all the things that's happening in the Christian churches that they've already started. But they also talk about some of the problems that were happening in Thessaloniki. Yeah, there were issues that were happening in Thessaloniki. And so Timothy tells Paul about what's going on. And it's at this point, his stay in Corinth, that we believe Paul sat down and wrote the church that had been started at Thessaloniki. There's a Greek scholar that said this Thessaloniki is the only seabird city in contemporary Greece that has never, from its foundation in 316 BC till today, lost its commercial importance. The population, it probably ranged from 65,000 to 100,000, probably the same size as Fishers. And that means Thessaloniki ranked up there among the top 10 most important cities in the ancient world in Roman Empire. You uh, probably are very familiar with the fact that Julius Caesar was assassinated. And ultimately, that assassination led to a battle against two of the assassins, Brutus and Cassius. I told you this was nerdy, but here's the beauty of it. As you take the world history and you lay it down aside the 66 books and it all begins to make sense. And so what we're trying to do here is to establish the context of what's going on in the world as Paul would write a letter to the church at Thessaloniki and encourage them and to answer their questions. But we kind of have to know what's going on and why it's occurred this way. So now you've got these two other Romans who were defending the honor of Caesar. So first of all, you've got Brutus and Cassius. 
But the two others that were going to go to battle against them was Mark Anthony, who was just a kid. He was 18 years old. He was the grand nephew of Caesar, and he ultimately became Caesar Augustus. And so we have this massive battle between Romans taking place. And of all the places, not on Italian soil, but in northern Greece, this is where it's going down. And so you had one side, Philippi, which was what we showed you on the northern side of the map. Uh, they were backing Brutus and Cassius, and they were stronger in position. And other, on the other side, to the west, with Thessaloniki behind them was Mark Anthony and actually Octavian. And so the city of Thessaloniki had to make a choice. Who are we going to support? Are we going to support Brutus and Cassius or are we going to support Octavian and Mark Anthony? Fortunately, they chose Mark Anthony and Octavia because the consequences that resulted from that were going to be great. So out of their wisdom, out of their luck, they sided with the right people because Mark Anthony and Octavian won this battle. And as a result of their loyalty to the two now Roman leaders, they were establishing a city that was a free city. That was really a big deal because that meant the city enjoyed some important benefits, like a measure of autonomy over administrating their local affairs. They had the right to mint their own coins. They had some tax concessions, and they were also free from military occupation. So when you think about this city, 65,000 to 100,000, top 10 city, who cares if maybe 50 people are talking about Jesus. Does it really matter? But if the city has control, why would they want any disturbance to come along? If you remember this close, intimate relationship between Thessaloniki and Rome now, we can better appreciate how the city leaders and those people in the positions of power and authority would be very much concerned if there are any local citizens who would be saying or doing things to undermine this special relationship between the city of Thessaloniki and Rome. And then that brings us into, you know, Luke was the author of Acts. And modern theologians like to think that Luke was a physician who was a terrible historian. Like all the things that he recorded in Acts had errors in them. But watch this. This is pretty amazing. In Philippi, back in Acts chapter 16, just two chapters ago on this missionary journey, verse 20, it says, bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. Notice he used the term chief magistrates. That was an establishment of the Roman emperor, empire government. 
they had chief magistrates that were placed in all the different cities that controlled them. But in Thessaloniki, watch this, Acts 17, verses 5 through 9. This is the next chapter when he is actually there. It says, but the Jews became jealous and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace and formed a mob. There was a citizen assembly. This was the lowest form of authority. And it started a riot in the city. Once again, the Bible that we're studying today is paralleling what's going on in our world. A small mob formed and started a riot in the city. Attacking Jason's house, they searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. Now, Luke has mentioned that there's a city council. It's kind of like an executive branch of the lowest authority. That's two forms of authority. Verse six, it says, when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, city officials now. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too, and Jason has welcomed them. They're all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying there is another king, Jesus. The crowd and the city officials who heard these things were upset. After taking a security bond from Jason and others, they released them. So now Luke has used this, the, the crowd, the assembly, the mob as one. Then he's used the city council, the public assembly as one. And then he's referring to a third level of city officials. The city officials were called politerchies. No one had ever used that term before. But Luke is using it. It was unique to this city. And watch this. There's been a lot of controversy about the highest from the highest level because of them in the past. A generation or more ago, many scholars, especially more liberal scholars, were seriously doubted the historical reliability of Acts. They wondered about this particular office of the politerchies. Because of the early, by the early 1900s, there was no inscriptural archaeological evidence for life for the existence of this particular office that Luke has now mentioned in Acts. And so these scholars tended to appeal to evidence that Luke was not a good historian. He was only making up history to serve his theological purposes. <laughs> But as you well know, things are still being uncovered today over in the ancient world. These scholarly claims that were made in the early 1900s are now beginning to be proved false. In fact, they've uncovered now 70 inscriptions to this unique office of politerchies, 28 of which come from the city of Thessaloniki itself. History has proved itself. There's a reason we didn't find them for a long time. And that has to do with the second thing that we talked about just a few minutes ago. That there was a free city. 
Thessaloniki had been given the ability to be a free city and to establish their own authority. One of the benefits of the free city status, instead of wiping out the existing political structures and doing it the Romans way, instead in Macedonia, they could keep doing the things the way they had always done it all along. And so this office of politerkes is actually a rather ancient Macedonian office because of the free city and status of Thessalonica that was allowed to continue to exist because they backed Mark Anthony and Octavian. It's crazy, but it all links together and it all makes Luke exactly like he knows what he's talking about. Luke, the writer of Acts, he's so familiar with the historical context that just earlier in the count, Acts 16, he used the Roman authorities' names of chief magistrates. And then in Acts chapter 17, he actually uses the old Macedonian authority terms. Luke knew exactly what he was doing. So now look, Saul, or excuse me, Silas and Timothy, they've now joined Paul in Corinth. The church in Philippi once again has sent them this financial gift to Paul. And Silas and Timothy hand it to him. And the money enables Paul to devote himself exclusively, exclusively to the work of the church, planning churches, starting churches, ministering to people. However, the Spirit is leading Paul to do that. But then at the same time, Timothy brings news about the church at Thessaloniki, and the church is being persecuted. It's standing steadfast for the Lord, but it's also sounding forth the gospel, but it's struggling. Believers from the churches in Macedonia, that we're talking about Philippi and Corinth, have visited the Thessalonican church. They went there to encourage them because they know that they're struggling in the midst of all that. However, due to the pressure of some of the Thessaloniki believers, some of them are turning back. They're changing their mind about their faith. They're struggling with what they've been taught by Paul and Silas and Timothy. They have questions about what happens to believers when they die. All those questions that you still ask today. The church in Thessaloniki has been on Paul's heart. He has a desire to see the believers and he wants to be there in front of them to encourage them. It's just like today, I want you to show up at Oleo Fields and see you face to face. I just want to hang out with you. I, I can do this Zoom thing all day long, but it gets old. I really just like to see you. I can see you on the screen. And it's the same way. Paul is praying for his church. He's knows, he knows that they're struggling in Thessaloniki. And so he sits down and he begins to pin them a letter. And so these next few weeks, we get into the two letters that Paul wrote. They're brief books. Look, did you, did you know that if you take the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, you got the four Gospels and you've got the history, Acts, 
then what comes next? The books after Acts are Paul's letters. And here's how that they're not, they're not placed in the Bible chronologically. They're placed in there by how long the letters are. Like Romans is the longest letter that Paul wrote. Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. So this is one of his middle letters. They're both kind of brief. I'm going to read verse 1, and that's it. He says, Paul, Silvanus, which is like an official name for Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. So now Paul's ministry in Thessaloniki, he's not there, he's writing a letter. But what was his ministry in Thessaloniki? He was a laborer, he made tents, he worked with leather, he worked as a tent maker. Yet every day he would finish his work, he would either go to the synagogue or the city, and he would have discussions. It said that he would reason with the people. He would begin to explain the gospel. But the whole time he's doing this, he's doing the tent making, he's living out the gospel through his daily life and conversations. I've been asked, what's my response to all this? I'm like, uh, what is all this? The pandemic, SpaceX, COVID-19, riots. <laughs> what is my response to all this? As I said earlier, um, I have my thoughts, both, both good and bad. Yeah. I have to filter those through my mind of Christ. Sometimes I express many of them to Michelle because uh, she's a safe place to express them to. But my response to that question was this. Stay focused. I know that I can't change people's behaviors. I can't change their opinions. I can't change their minds. That is not my job. You're going, yeah, but you're a pastor. You can influence you can impact them you can make a stand you can do all the it's not my job it's not my job to change somebody's mind it's my job to be the light it's not even a job it's just who i am in christ i had to figure out my identity in christ i've had to learn how to be the light. And the only way to be the light is, as we said earlier, due to Pentecost, there's a spirit inside of me who leads me each and every day. He gives me words to say right here on Zoom. He encourages me. And so I'm going to follow that spirit. I'm going to stay focused. I don't have to listen to other people who are going to tell me what to say or what to do. 
I just listen to the spirit inside of me. You know, this whole situation, I have my opinions, I have my thoughts. I've read other people's opinions, I've read other people's thoughts. If there's any one person that, uh, strangely enough, that I agree mostly with is probably Coach Tony Dungy. I'm sure you've seen his post. But this world is full of distractions. He said it, and there's no reason for me to say it. The best thing that I can do as a pastor is remain true to my calling. What's my calling? I didn't say what the will of God is. The will of God is that I walk by the Spirit each and every day. But my calling is this, is that I teach the Word of God in a fallen and evil world. Is that I teach the truth. This is what Paul was doing. He was going out through all the world in the second missionary journey. And all the evil and corruption of Corinth and Athens and idols and fornication in Thessalonia and just all sorts of just garbage, garbage, garbage that Paul was traveling through. He lived his daily life by the Spirit, teaching the Word of God and pointing to Jesus. My, my ministry is teach the Word of God in this fallen and evil world and then to love others with the leading of the Holy Spirit that resides in my mortal body. I trust the Spirit that lives within me each and every day. You see, I think if we can see the bigger picture and remain faithful in the little things, the little things that reflect Jesus to the rest of the world, that's my call. That's what I think. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach Jesus. I'm going to be the light. Because there's a Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. And I see that same spirit in you. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Lives in your mortal body. And he's going to direct you. He's going to lead you. He may cause you to speak up. He may cause you to be quiet. But I trust the Spirit in you. Father, I pray for my friends. I pray for the chaos that is going on around us, that we can somehow, some way, be a light in a dark, dark world. That as we bond together, the unity of the church in Jesus Christ, that that light becomes brighter and brighter every day, that people can see this is the only way, that you love us, that you care for us, that you provide for us, that you'll continue to protect us. So I pray that today, that me, my family, and my friends can be a light that reflects Jesus Christ. And I pray these things in your holy name. Amen.